Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. and welcome to this week's Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Helen and I am joined by my co-host Sarah. Hi everyone. Today we're going to be talking about happiness at work which is sort of implied in I think in every episode we do it's all about helping people to be kind of happier at work and to be their best at work but we've never actually covered it as a single episode and so we wanted to get into a little bit of some of the research around happiness at work why it's important why it matters where we're at at the moment in terms of like happiness levels at work maybe share a little bit about our definitions of what happiness means to us and then really get into some small actions that make a big difference in terms of all of our happiness at work and whether that's for you or maybe things that you can do to help other people that's the main focus of today and at the end of the podcast we've started to introduce a new mini feature where people are sharing their best pieces of career advice with us and today you'll hear from joe who runs amazing if over in amsterdam and if you'd like to get your voice and your words of wisdom on the podcast just record your advice as a sound clip helen has done an instagram post on how to do this and you just email it to us at get in touch at amazingif.com if somebody has told you something that has just really stuck with you or just been worth its weight in gold let us know and hopefully it'll make an appearance on the podcast at some point so shall we kick off now with a bit about what we know about happiness and and how to think about happiness at work I think that probably the most fundamental thing on happiness that I've seen more from a research perspective is Sean Acker's work and Sean is a positive psychologist and in summary the thing that he's proven with his research is that success doesn't equal happiness happiness equals success and it's just worth pausing on that for a second to make sure that everybody's kind of got the difference between those two and and the sequence I suppose in which those two things come I think often we're all guilty of it at some point. We think, oh, I'll be really happy when this thing happens. I'll be really happy when I get promoted. I'll be really happy when I become a manager. Um, it can even be, you know, big big life stage things. I'll be really happy once I've got my first house. And actually what most of the research shows is that in those moments you are that little bit happier, but it's a tiny burst of happiness. So you get a mini spike, but that lasts for a really short period of time. And then actually you go back to your average. So wherever you were before. And actually what he proves is really a lot of our happiness comes from our mindset. It comes from the way that we approach things, the way that we view the world. It's sort of that, do you see the world as the glass half full or glass half empty, I think? 
and we've probably talked about this before, you know, when we talk about working with different people and some people feel more like they're radiators and some people feel a bit more like they're drains. And I think that's probably a good reflection as well on how people bring themselves to work, the kind of mindset they're starting from. Are they naturally trying to be positive, make things work, want to see the best in people or the opposite? And actually a lot of our success and our then happiness is all wrapped up in that in terms of what we actually start off with, what that mindset is. And Sean Acker has actually got, um, he's written a book, which is called The Happiness Advantage. It's a good book, but he's also got a really good TED talk, which off the top of my head, I think is called The Happy Secret to Better Work. And one of the things that always struck me with his work is that I believe it was, so he works um, at Harvard and I believe that a lot of the work was started because Harvard has uh, an issue with some student depression when they were looking into it. And part of the reason was because a lot of the people that go to Harvard are like the top 1%, you know, (laughs) they're the top success in the place that they were at. I guess it would be their college or whatever it was before they went to Harvard. And then they get to Harvard and they can't all be in the top 1%. And because people had a narrow definition of, you know, I have to be successful in order to be happy because they weren't the most successful, they therefore weren't happy. And so they almost had to rewire people's thinking about what happiness actually is and what the starting point is as a result of that to help their students so it's a really really good TED talk I think it's one of the top I'm doing this thing in April to watch the top 25 TED talks and I believe it's one of the top 25 TED talks because I've not watched it yet because I've seen it so recently uh, but yeah how it's are you one, getting one on how popular. Are your 25 are you <laughs> I've done about 10 I did another one last night which um I can't remember what it was I know I watched one last night but it can't have it must not have been that yeah compelling. it can't have been that uh, do you know I'll be really honest I'm sort of because some of them are like 18 minutes and some of them are 10 oh i thought the format was identical every time well it well i think it's up to 18 minutes Uh, so i'm okay i'm working my way through the snappier ones (laughs) because sometimes it gets to like half nine i'm like oh god i need to watch ted talk tonight and so i'm like oh do i watch a 90 or 18 minute one or do i watch the 11 minute one i'm like okay 11 minutes but i've got some longer ones left to work through and on happiness, actually, I was saying to Helen, I suspect Helen and I come at the topic of happiness and how we talk about it on the podcast from two quite different perspectives. So Helen had done more preparation than I had, I have to say, for tonight's podcast. And so lots of what we're going to talk about is very practical. I often come at things from a slightly more like <laughs> philosophical perspective. And so I was in the car, uh, unusually I was in the car today for quite a long time. And so I was listening to a podcast uh, by Adam Grant. He does a work-life podcast. And actually he's got a really interesting episode about how you shouldn't pursue your passions like almost you shouldn't pursue the things that are going to make you happiest you should pursue the things where you think you're going to learn the most and it was a really interesting debate about is happiness the quest and actually people think if you follow your passions and that's what will make you happy but is that actually the right thing so I was getting I was getting all into like oh okay so that's really interesting so is passion and happiness the same or different so if you want to listen to a different slant I think on what we're talking about tonight that episode it's just worth a listen because it's different people talking about often you know in lots of commencement speeches they call them in the US but basically when you graduate from university they get like famous people famous alumni to go back and do these like big speeches rallying calls almost into the world of work and he was saying how many of them all just talk about like do what you love pursue your passions and that actually that often makes people really unhappy because they feel like they're really mm. pressured there's this like pressure now to be like well I need to do the thing I really love, but often those things are maybe things that don't pay you any money or are not that easy to get into. And people feeling like if they're not pursuing their passion, they couldn't possibly be happy. So it was just, it was quite an interesting kind of different slant on what it takes to be happy. And it doesn't necessarily always mean 
doing the thing that you love the most potentially and there was a career tip that I did last week which is about the four different types of job which is on Instagram TV and it's on Save Somewhere on LinkedIn if people want to see it but it's effectively like it's taken from Elizabeth Gilbert's work that there are four different types of work there's a hobby which you do because you love and it doesn't have to pay any money there's a job which you do because it pays you money there's a career which both pays you money and is something that you love to do and then there's like your purpose your calling your vocation at the top and it's effectively saying that you you don't beat a job up for what it isn't so recognize it for what it is so sometimes just having a job that pays the bills can be awesome because you don't have the responsibility of it being a career it pays the bills and it maybe gives you you know um, really defined hours so that you can go and spend time doing maybe your vocation so like in her case she's a writer for example so she would do loads of jobs in like waitressing or whatever kind of retail work whatever actual jobs it wasn't a career in order to earn money so that she could go and do her vocation she was saying that not everybody has to have a vocation and a calling and that's fine and then she talked about you know if you're in a career and you're not enjoying it then go get a job don't sit in a career you don't enjoy just go get a job that pays some money but it was just a really interesting perspective but to that point that he was saying you know not everyone's going to have their purpose not everyone's going to have their vocation they're calling and that's fine let's not put work on some uber pedestal that makes us unhappy because we think we're supposed to be doing something or achieving something or living some meaningful career that we're, we're not able to right now and I think often we associate happiness as being something that's maybe the luxury for the individual. But actually, a lot of the work that has been done around the impact of people being happy at work, the people that really benefit is the organisation as a whole. So, yes, obviously you want to be happy, but people are usually around 12% more productive the happier they are, which was some research done by the University of Warwick. I actually thought that was quite a low number, 12%. Mm, yeah. I was thinking... Almost like you could give or take. Yeah, 12%. I was like, oh, OK. Well, I was, <laughs> but I guess this is maybe the difference between average or like good to great, I suppose, and 12% more productive in the scheme of that potentially, I guess, is quite a lot. Especially given I was reading today in the Financial Times, which is not, I have to say, my usual newspaper, but I was reading the FT sitting in a reception of a company. Do you know the UK is like one of the least productive developed Mm, countries mm. in the world? And we're the only ones that pretty much have stalled since the last recession. And they were trying to dissect like why that was. So maybe the way to solve our productivity crisis in the UK is make everyone a bit happier. And then we'll all be a little bit more productive. That could be it. Right. That could be the everyone, answer. everyone needs to get sharing the five tips that we're going to share. Yeah, perhaps I should write the FT just... and see if they take <laughs> see if they take me seriously. Right, that's a good idea. Like, let's do that. <laughs> One of the things that I came across actually was that you can um, measure happiness, which I thought was quite interesting. So Gallup, who are um, quite a global consulting organisation, do various studies every year. They use something called the Cantrell scale to measure happiness, so that they can see to what extent globally is happiness increasing or decreasing. And I looked into the measure of how they do it because I actually think it's something that we could all do as individuals. So the way that they do it, I'll talk it through. And again, I'll put this on the post on amazingif.com if you're like in a car and you can't write this down. (laughs) But what they say is step one is to... Imagine a ladder. So you've got a ladder with steps from uh, zero at the bottom and 10 at the top. The top of the ladder is like the best possible life for you. You at your absolute happiest. <laughs> hashtag and living the, your best life. <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, and the bottom, I didn't see what hashtag you're going to do this one. The bottom is like the worst possible life for you. Got a hashtag for that? Don't bother. 
Okay, <laughs> so there, there's your scale. Um, and then um, on which step of the ladder would you say you stand at this time? And then question two is on which step do you think you're going to be in five years from now? So that's kind of the questions for you. And then they've done loads of statistical analysis and various things, and they effectively categorise three different states of happiness depending on where you put yourself on those two ladders, like the present ladder or the future ladder. The first state of happiness is thriving. And if you're thriving, then you've got your well-being's really strong, it's consistent, it's progressing. You are thriving if you've got a positive view of your current situation. So you're like seven plus on the ladder mm-hmm. and a positive view of where you are in the next five years. So eight plus. So if that's where you put yourself, you're like in the thriving category. The next category of kind of happiness is that people that are struggling. So this is where people have got, they're kind of moderate or inconsistent in their happiness at work. You're in this category. You're basically middle of the road, either in your present situation or you're moderate or negative in your future. So kind of middle to low is in struggling. People that are there have more daily stress. They worry more about money than the people who are thriving. They're likely to have double the amount of sick days, uh, less likely to be healthy and eat healthy. It's kind of interesting. And the last category is suffering. So this is people who've got high risk of kind of their well-being. They rate four and below on the current ladder and then four and below on the future ladder. And for those people, they are um, likely to report higher levels of stress, worry, sadness, anger, you know, lower actual levels of health. And there's a whole load of stuff for people that are in that suffering area in terms of their basically happiness affects their mental and physical well-being. It's quite interesting, isn't it? It's quite very, very emotive language that they're using. And I was thinking the top one, the thriving I almost feel like they're missing a category because I feel like they go from thriving to then struggling or suffering. I sort of was going, isn't there something in between thriving and struggling? Which is, I felt like there's one other, which I think a lot of people would fit into where... What's surviving? <laughs> well, they're kind of, yeah, you, yeah, you're surviving and actually that's not necessarily a bad thing. So you're perhaps in that some days you're a six, some days you're a seven. When you think about the future, sometimes you feel positive, sometimes you're not quite sure. So you're perhaps, you do have kind of wobbles and you wouldn't describe yourself as thriving, but you perhaps wouldn't be in struggling either. Perhaps I should suggest they should have a look at that. That's my second thing that I'm so, going to fix um, today. I was going to say, yeah, so you're sending a letter to the FT yeah. and to Gallup. Yeah. So yeah. just get get on that after the podcast. This is what happens, you see, when by now, by the time people are listening, it will have been Easter, but um, we're recording this before Easter and I have to say, I cracked into my first Easter egg this evening i think i might be having like a little sugar high (laughs) (laughs) um the last thing that i picked up on actually which i think is really important i find the work of andre spicer really interesting so he's a lecturer over at cass business school and he's written quite a few pieces of book and various different articles will again we'll link to them all but about why you shouldn't really force happiness and so organizations that are almost trying to say everyone should be happy Mm -hmm. let's all have a really happy culture and all come to work really happy he he basically says that's like the worst thing that you can do um and And also um, no one wants that like oh god no but he said that people you know actually suppressing negative emotions is a bad thing like not making it a safe space where people can talk about that they're struggling or that they are fearful or whatever it is if you you have a bad day yeah, if you can't have that environment, that's not a good thing. And one thing he does talk about is that actually there's a benefit sometimes to not being happy. And he talks about um, people who are angry are better negotiators and people who are in a bad mood are 
are better at deception spotting. So <laughs> I feel like he's almost got this vision of a, a company full of lots of angry people who are in bad moods but are brilliant at negotiation and spotting deception. So I'm not sure that's the company I want to work in, but I do buy the point around we don't want to suppress the negative emotions and paint some, you know, well, everything fake, rainbows. Yeah, yeah, life's not always rainbows, but I think it's recognising that a culture where people can maybe be authentic and be happy has positive effects on their well-being their productivity well I think you'd probably argue there must be a relationship between people feeling like they can be themselves at work and being happy at work yeah and yeah. that's essentially what he's saying isn't it that being yourself at work does mean that everybody will sometimes have a bad day or a bad week or things are not going to plan and that being okay at work I suspect is a really big indicator of whether someone feels like they belong whether they're mm. and whether they are broadly happy versus happy on that day So before we move on to our top five tips, we thought it was worth us just sharing what does happiness at work mean for us? And I think this is a good question for you to ask yourselves as you're listening to this podcast. If you were to just give yourself a minute, two minutes and write down what does kind of happy work mean to you? It's interesting to see what pops up first, what reflections you have, what insights you have, and almost what you would add to, I think, as the week goes on. I was finding doing this exercise, it's interesting to see the first thing you write down. And then I wrote something else like an hour later, and then I thought of something else like half an hour later. So it's interesting just to observe the order of things that come to mind, give yourself a bit of time to live with it and see what else you kind of add or choose to take away. But for me, there were three things that happy work meant. The first thing that I wrote down was having a positive impact and making a difference. So that is for me about feeling like I think I have a strong sense of purpose in what I'm doing. It doesn't mean that I always feel like I have to be saving the world, but I think I do want things to be better, I guess, as a result of the work that I do. Something to be better. I think I, I've got a kind of a view of liking things to improve. The second thing is and I think this must be the same for most people, but I want it to matter that I show up at work, which might sound silly, but I remember there was actually always a question in a colleague engagement survey that I used to do, which was along the lines of, I recognise that the contribution I make makes a difference to like the team and the company that I'm in. Mm. Um, and I've worked for some really big companies and actually often felt that that is true. And I think that's a really important thing. Sometimes in smaller companies, and I work in a smaller company now, Maybe it's easier, maybe it's more visible and more transparent, whether it matters or not, whether you show up. But I think in big companies, that always felt like it did really matter because you knew that you were a small fish in a really big pond. And so perhaps because a lot of my careers has been in big companies, I sort of really value that. I've, I want it to make a difference if I am not in a job next week or next month. And sometimes I, I've also probably had the exact opposite of thinking, it doesn't make any difference whether I'm here or not. <laughs> that's you know, not a good day. That's not, that, yeah, that's not a good feeling. And then my last one was about people. I do think I'm probably at my happiest when I'm working with people who are you know, high energy, positive, that radiator not drain thing, who I feel like I'm learning from and who I feel like I'm better at work. The, back to that thing about positive impact and continued improvement because I'm spending time with those people. I think the people I spend time with does really matter to me. I think increasingly so, actually, as I've got older and got more experienced like knowing those people and wanting to spend time with those people. I I can see that I always have days where I'm happier because I spent time with certain people who give me that energy and that positivity. I've got two things that are the same as you. I'm, I'm wondering whether 
we're, we're they're similar because we, we work, work together. together. <laughs> uh, yeah, we work together and we're kind of like attracted to each other because we both value similar things. Or whether everybody's similar. So I'd be actually really interested in people listening if you have similar definitions to us or very different. Uh, but mine, I have the people one. So for me, it's about working with people that I like and that I'm challenged and inspired by. I think the challenge bit's really important to me. I quite like to be mm. intellectually challenged by people. Learning and stretching myself. So I have a value of growth. So I think that's part of that. I always like to be learning new things. It doesn't always have to be directly related to my job I just like to be in a learning space or state of mind and um, impact and achievement I think that's really similar to yours you talk about making a difference and I think that might be I don't, it's not impact for the sake of impact but it's just that that being able to see that you've moved something on and then I think one of my things that's maybe different to yours is about the freedom of trying new things. Sometimes I like to do, for me, happy work is just getting to do new stuff and yeah. um, trying on different things. I swear and... as you listen to this, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll have that one too, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I want that one. I wonder whether people will listen and they'll be like, right, well, we'll take all of those. Plus, I'd also like, I don't reckon you could end up here with a really long wish list, but I think that might still be fun to do. But isn't that, isn't that interesting? So I'm saying actually for a, or and you, like actually for my happy job, I've got to have people that I like, that I'm challenged by, that inspire me. I need to be learning and stretching myself. I've got to have impact and achievement and I have to have freedom and people need to encourage me to do new stuff. I mean, actually, it's a pretty high bar for a happy... I'm quite happy in my work, Sarah, just to let you know. But it is quite a high bar when you list all of that stuff down that we're trying to measure our jobs against. Yeah, and this is where I get back to being a bit more philosophical about even the word happy, because I think you're probably setting a high bar because you're probably answering the question, what would it take for you to be your happiest at work? Mm, I think you're right, that's a really good point. So I think it's the difference between enjoying something where probably having one or two of the things that we've just talked through would be enough, and often enough, that's all you need in that moment in time, versus we're probably challenging ourselves here to go, if I was to almost like create this perfect moment of happiness at work, what would be happening simultaneously yeah. in that moment? I don't think that's unrealistic because I, I can think about that list and think of moments, projects, teams that I've been part of where those things do come together. But I think when you start to be realistic, you're not necessarily expecting all these things to consistently show up and be present all of the time. Oh, that's a really good point. I've got a scale in my head and there's like unhappy, happy and happiest. Mm. And like you say, a lot of the time we're talking about happiest and then that's really hard to do. It's very hard to do it every single day in your job. You might get these moments where you hit happiest, but is it unrealistic to have that as every single day as a benchmark? Interesting to reflect on. Shall we move on to tips so that we can help people? I think it's to help people be a bit more happy. So small actions to be happy that have maybe a big impact rather than this kind of nirvana state of happiness every day. Yeah, so top tip number one is to work out your values. We've talked before about values. Uh, We'll make sure there's the link to the values podcast in the resources. Very specifically, if you've not got time to listen to the values podcast right now, or you think, well, don't just tell me to do something that I've got to go and listen to another podcast, we would recommend think about what are your career must-haves and your career must-nots. And that's not dissimilar from that scale that we were just talking about in terms of almost like unhappiest versus happiest. And the way to think about your career must-haves and must-nots is think back over your career so far, plot on a graph, when have you been at your happiest and when have you found work most frustrating, most disappointing and what was happening at each of those times. Just doing that exercise very quickly on your commute, if you sit on a train or on your lunch break, will at least give you some clues as to what your values might be and kind of what's important to you. But I think the more that you and I have thought about this over the last week or so we've been preparing, 
the more we both realise just how intrinsic knowing your values are is to being really happy at work because we both got there kind of independently in terms mm. of going fundamentally that is one of the building blocks of being happy at work is being self-aware enough to know what your values are which is things that motivate and drive you and then you can make the choices which means that you're much more likely to get to live those values at work. Uh, so number two it's actually prompted me to remember what TED talks that I watched last night because this is oh, what yeah. number two is all about so the tip number two for happiness at work is to invest in your relationships and this tip is prompted by last night's TED talk so the TED talk is called what makes a good life lessons from the longest study on happiness so it's one of the yeah. ones that I watched last night as part of my April challenge so just a bit of context the, the longest study on happiness is done by Harvard and it's a 75 year study where they took a group of people it was men actually but they've now brought in women into the study they took a group of people young boys actually from different walks of life and they have basically tracked them for 75 years yeah yeah really fascinating through all the changes in their lives personal changes professional changes and they measure their happiness i think it's every year they ask them a series of questions to look at what how happy people are and what are the factors driving that happiness and no matter the people the lie the changes they've had the number one factor in determining how happy those people are throughout that 75 year period has been about the quality of the relationships they've had so not the quantity so some people have lots some people have fewer but the quality of the relationships that they have with people and I think that's relevant personally and professionally but I think we're talking about work here today so I think this is about thinking about you know what relationships what meaningful relationships do you have with people at work and how much time are you making for them outside of meetings so this is more than just hi what's the agenda for today quick chat this is maybe a coffee with somebody where you're just asking how they are at the moment what's going on what are they thinking about actually having a meaningful conversation with people outside of meetings are you making time for that because actually the relationships that you have at work will be a big part of your happiness Yeah, and I think I've fallen into that trap before of, you know, when you're trying to be really efficient, it's often Mm. the first thing to go is like the just being able to sit and just have a cup of tea with somebody. And that can sometimes feel like a bit of a luxury if you're really busy, you've got a lot of meetings. But it's funny how those are the moments where you actually get to know somebody properly. So and Mm. and I really spot that and actually often almost leave time, which is just free, where I know if somebody does want to get a cup of tea, you know, you can just do that. And actually that one relates to number three in lots of ways. So number three is about picking jobs for more than money. And this one um, definitely comes with a caveat in that we all need to earn money, mostly. I imagine everyone who listens to this podcast does need to earn money. Um, If you don't, let us know. You can sponsor the podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... And I don't want to kind of underestimate how important I think having enough money is in terms of just generally being kind of happy and not feeling kind of stressed and anxious. But actually, once you get to the point where you do earn enough money, whatever that kind of enough looks like for you, actually then thinking about what are the other factors and drivers of your well-being and almost once you do have enough it's other things outside of money and status and potentially like job titles and those kind of things that actually really influence your happiness. It is things like, will you have the ability to build really meaningful relationships? Will you be able to make friends at work? Will you feel like you have a strong sense of belonging? And actually, I listened to a really good episode of Emma Gannon's podcast where she was doing almost like a particular special series when she was over in California. And she met a lady called Ruth Whitman, who's, I think she's an English lady, but lived over in LA now for seven years and has done 
quite a lot of writing about what actually makes us happy. And they were both talking about money and actually saying that it almost gets skipped over now because there is almost so much chat about purpose and like happiness and all these things. Everyone sort of forgets the money thing. And actually, they both have a really good chat about like the pragmatic practicalities of actually it is important to have enough money and that does make you happy because it just takes the pressure off and the kind of stresses off. But then they both acknowledge that ultimately they've both got to a point where they've got enough and therefore then there are other things that that matter more. I think it's just starting to figure out for yourself. Knowing actually what does enough look like is really important. And I think that is different for for different people and depending on what um, responsibilities you've got and where you are in your life at the moment, because that might just be your priority for now. If you feel like actually you are getting close to that point, then starting to think about, okay, so what are my other things that might be on my happy checklist and how would I prioritise those things, I think can be a really useful action to take. Like I see this when we do our courses and people will have like money is a really important thing to them. And actually you've got to make it, you'll be endlessly chasing it if you don't kind of work out what is enough. And actually Mm. if you're endlessly chasing money, you're probably chasing something else like status, security, um, achievement. And actually that could be fulfilled. All fine, but it could be fulfilled in broader ways than just money. So I think actually working out what is enough gives you something really concrete that you can make really practical and aim for. And then you're not not anchoring your all of your happiness to just this pursuit of sort of like an unknown quantity there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The fourth one is about deep work. Um, so deep work is when you are not distracted. You're kind of able to get your head down and work on something that is meaningful and important to you without the daily distractions of everything that gets in our way. You know, notifications, email, just desk chat, all that kind of stuff. Monk mode. Um, and monk mode, monk isn't it? mode. That's what, that's that what Bruce Daisley would call it. Indeed. So and um, that's on the podcast that Sarah did with Bruce Daisley. And actually, the, the term deep work has been really popularised by Cal Newport. So you can kind of dig around any of that stuff. But the, the research shows that actually when you are able to do deep work on something that's meaningful, so concentrated work that's meaningful to you, people are more satisfied because they've made meaningful progress on it. And actually, the, when you kind of get to the end of the week and you're kind of going, oh, I don't know what I've done with my week, that is not a sort of recipe for happiness. When you're able to say at the end of the week, oh, I really moved forward 
on that project or I managed to close that thing off, whatever it is, there's something in the satisfaction that we take from that that enables us to be more happy. So the specific action for you to take if you're listening on this one is to think about what is one project, maybe think this month, let's be realistic about it, but what is one project this month that you think you could move on significantly if you could create some time for it? And then once you've answered that question, then plan how you're going to create the time. Maybe you could work from home for a morning a week for the next couple of weeks so you can move it forward. Or maybe you can hide yourself in a meeting room and do the thing that um, Graham Orcott talks about on the podcast that we did on productivity where you put a fake a fake project in your diary. He calls it Project Magenta. Basically, you're going to go shut yourself away in a room where no one can bother you and you can work on this thing in a concentrated fashion. But deep work makes a difference to your happiness. Work out what you will need to spend that time on and then think about how you can create the space in your diary where you can be notification and distraction free so that you can have that concentration on it. And then number five is about sharing positive experiences. There's a lot of talk and lots of people already do things like gratitude journals. I think they're only getting more popular and the idea of the habit of writing down something you're grateful for at the end of every day our build on that and the kind of extra boost that somebody has told us about that we think is particularly compelling is actually not only doing that for yourself but also sharing that with somebody else so whether that's as simple as agreeing with a friend at the end of every day you're going to whatsapp them one positive thing about that day whether it's just taking the time when you get home if you've got a partner and you're chatting about work to actually focus on the positives we were actually laughing before this podcast and saying how often do you go home and and almost you do you know if your partner or your roommate you almost focus on the bad stuff you rarely go home and go i had a great day at work because I let me talk thing. all let about me. it and you don't because obviously you know you feel a bit like you're showing off or it just doesn't feel like an average conversation to have you're way more interested in are we going to watch the first episode of the new series of game of thrones which was my first sentence to my partner this this evening but i do think that almost like that positive mindset that we talked about right at the start about what is the mindset that you are bringing to everything if when you're thinking about gratitude that's already kind of one positive thing because you're being grateful for something but actually to make it even better to be able to tell someone that will kind of increase your happiness because you're almost sharing it and you're together just sharing these positive experiences so I think that's something again that you could do in a really tangible way for actually quite a short period of time and just see and observe how it makes you feel you could just pick one week after Easter and just think right me and a friend or me and my partner, we're just going to do like one thing every day, share one thing that we're grateful for. One Sarah, thing we're what's your about. one thing today? Go Wait, on, I'll put you on the one spot. Thing today. One... Oh, oh yeah. that's actually really hard. Uh, right, let me think. Okay, so my one thing today is I think I have cracked a good structure for a chapter of our book that we have been finding quite tricky. <gasps> And I'm I'm going through an emotional roller coaster, as Helen will know, writing this book. Helen is playing very even keeled and pragmatic through the whole thing, whereas I go through different phases of thinking, <laughs> no one's gonna read it, so I shouldn't stress so much about it to literally rewriting a sentence four times. So um <laughs> i I am actually really happy that I've made some progress with that. And I feel really grateful for the opportunity that we've Mm. got to be able to write that because yes I might complain a bit about it sometimes or (laughs) you know it's really hard work don't get me wrong writing a book is very very hard work but I am so happy that we're getting to do it and I always remember that if I've ever had a tougher moment where I've rewritten the same sentence or paragraph and still don't think it's very good I'll think hey but you know what it's an amazing thing that we get to do it so there you go oh it's really nice to hear that you probably got more than you bargained for there no I like it I like it (laughs) 
What was yours? You can't you can't do that and then not tell oh, yours. Um, uh, mine was uh, today. I was with one of our um, lovely client partners, which is Money Supermarket Group, and we were reviewing lots of the work that we've been doing with them over the past couple of months. And when I went into the office, it's the first time I've been in the office for quite a while, and I saw so many people that have been oh. on our training programs. And it was like literally, I was going through the office, and I just kept seeing everyone that had been on our courses because we've trained lots of people in that organization and it felt really lovely to say hello to people in a slightly different context than being our training course someone even came like opened the meeting room that we were in and said that training course was like the best thing ever uh-huh. like they interrupted our meeting room to tell us and I was just like I'll like, oh, so... pay you later <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like do that again but no I was like I thought oh, I am so what a privilege to be in this organization and to have spent time with so many people and to have made a difference and got people thinking and now to be reflecting with people so positively about it like what a privilege so yeah that's the thing that I'm grateful for today oh that's so nice as always if you're newer to the podcast all of the resources for everything that we talk about we post on a blog post on our website which is just amazingif.com really easy to find and every week we put our new podcast on instagram where we're just at amazingif and if you do follow us on instagram you'll see all the ins and outs of our squiggly careers but you'll also get the benefit of helen's daily career tip that she does which she now has a very loyal follower base for um so it's worth following us just to get that because every day i just see all these messages of people coming in going oh i'm gonna go and do that or that's really amazing so many people have got it have almost integrated it i think as a habit in their like day-to-day jobs someone said to me the other day i met and they were like i'm really disappointed i didn't get to watch it today but it's okay because i'm gonna watch it tonight and i was like oh okay what what have we created (laughs) it's really nice i love it i love all the chat with people all about it and then people share new resources yeah it's lovely it's really nice thank you people do keep um sharing it and commenting uh giving us ideas for future topics and rating us if you are listening and you've not had a chance yet to write a review or give us a rating on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast they make such a massive difference to us personally because we read everyone and that's one thing that makes me very happy but also it really helps us to with all the whizzy algorithms show up and more people to discover us and find us and help more people with their squiggly careers so if that's been on your to-do list to do for a while if you've got a bit of time off over easter or you have five minutes um, if you could do that we'd be really grateful And before we tell you what's coming up next week, we just want to close out this week's podcast with one of our listeners and also somebody who is part of the Amazing If family, uh, and that's Jo in Amsterdam. And she has shared with us her best piece of career advice. And it's all about how you can get a job you love. So over to Jo. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Helen. I wanted to come back to you on the best bit of career advice that I have ever been given. And for me, and I will slightly paraphrase here, um, the best bit of career advice was to do a job that you love and you will never work a day in your life. Now, for me, that didn't mean that I cracked the one job that I love 100% and it never feels like work. But what it does mean is that I am really conscious that I want to feel really fulfilled and happy um, about what it is that I'm doing and understanding as I go through my career what makes me feel really fulfilled and what makes me feel really happy and doing more of that because we spend so much time at work that it's important I think that what we do we really uh, enjoy and ultimately get a sense of fulfillment from. So that for me is a piece of career advice that have always stuck with me. If ever I'm finding work too much or I feel in a bit of a rut I always go back to well do you really love this? Even if you're annoyed by this one specific task, do you ultimately really enjoy this? And usually the answer is yes. And therefore I'm able to to move on.
so yes thank you very much to joe for sending us that if any of you are actually in amsterdam if you're listening in amsterdam uh joe and reese run our monthly courses there so you can find all the details about that on amazingif.com and as we said before if you would like to get your best piece of career advice on the podcast you just got to record it on your phone using whatever voice recorder you've got on your phone there'll be an app on there record it and send it through to us at get in touch amazingif.com and so next week we're going to be talking about language at work what you say and how you say it We've talked a little bit before about some things on body language um, and kind of the words that you say, but we were really inspired by a session that we had um, at a conference we were both Slash at. Slash daunted. Yeah, yeah, and we'll come back to why we're daunted, but we were very inspired initially by a session by a company called Own The Room. I think they're an American company and they were really talking about how you make impact and the words that you use and how they're mirrored by your hands and your face and all the different things and we were like oh that'd be a really good episode for a podcast the reason we were slightly intimidated is we were next on at that conference so this guy obviously came on and because of what he was saying he is incredibly well practiced and absolutely flawless so we were there just standing there thinking right we're learning all these things and then we're about to get on stage and then you become so self-conscious of not doing all the things that he talked about the fact that you shouldn't do these things and the first thing you want to do is do those things so um but it was really good and we're gonna we've written down some notes and we're gonna share everything that we learned in our podcast next week but for now uh, that's everything thank you as always for listening and we look forward to chatting to you again next week bye bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover